Good morning. This is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. This morning, I have one of New York City's leading investment sales brokers, advisors, Shimon Shakori, who is the president and CEO of REL Property Advisors. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having us uh, today, having me today, and uh, thanks for uh, introducing us so nicely about investment sales. We also do capital markets, mortgages, and advisory, like you said. So thank you for that. So let's talk about investment sales first in the market, because you recently issued something from your firm with regard to the volume being down. So let's talk about this year's volume. Sure. The volume of transactions in general was expected to uh, be lower this year. We've seen, you know, a big uptick in interest rates and that what led us to uh, to see a big drop in uh, volume of transactions, specifically for the multi family asset class in the first quarter. Uh, so we, we saw about $1.2 billion. The second quarter was surprising. The second quarter was great, about $3.9 billion. But there was a story there. And the story was uh, the affordable housing story, where we had uh, Nuveen buying about a billion dollars of uh, multifamily, affordable multifamily from Omni. And our company uh, represented uh, another big transaction, $150 million transaction of the Seapark portfolio that was uh, uh, sold to Treadway for $150 million in uh, Coney Island and a few other uh, larger affordable housing transactions. The third quarter, we've seen only $1.5 billion or almost $1.6 billion, more than the first but less than the second. And again, the story is mostly... The, affordable, the strength of the affordable housing in the second quarter in terms of transaction volume, if that makes sense. And what do you see forecast for the uh, the final, the fourth quarter of the year? It's it's hard to tell, although from what we have in contract, what we've closed already, and what we know our competition has in contract and probably will close, I think it's going to be uh, higher than the third quarter, uh, not as high as the th- uh, higher than the second than the third quarter, not as high as the second quarter. So probably around two billion, maybe two billion plus. I do want to say something about multifamily because it's 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 not just one asset class. It's three. It's free market, rent stabilized, and affordable housing. And the free market world is doing exceptionally well. Uh, the rent stabilized is suffering, and so and and f- affordable housing doing exceptionally well. And I think we should. Pay attention to that because it's suffering in terms of rent stabilized is suffering in terms of uh, volume transactions, but also in terms of values. That's what people are buying. So very interesting phenomena in New York City when it comes to capital. There's capital for pretty much everything, including product type that has been going through uh, legislation like rent stabilized and through a lot of interest rate um, challenges. What about the financing for these projects that you just discussed? So it's a lot harder to finance today. Clearly, the uh, signature uh, bank debacle is is something that affects financing throughout, and and balance sheet lenders are uh, basically lending less, uh, though agency lenders are lending uh, more in general. That's why affordable is doing so well. And what took over in many cases are private lenders. So, for example, uh, on Columbus Avenue, you had Avenue and Slate buying a property that was financed by um, by Apollo, and that's a private lender in that case. That's something we haven't seen as much before. You've seen uh, a building uh, trade. Any idea what type of rate they were paying? I don't know the rate. My assumption, it would be a higher rate than, and, and possibly a floating rate, but also a higher rate 
than uh, your balance sheet lender rate, probably 50 to 75, not 100 basis points higher. So that's a great question. And, and we've spoken to several uh, prominent players in the market recently that told us they have the uh, the goal of putting together platforms, uh, private debt platforms, specifically for multifamily, that will be probably 50 to 100 basis points higher than prevailing uh, balance sheet rates just to accommodate this market. And that's going to happen probably in 2024. So the, the financing market is super interesting today and definitely in transition. You mentioned the signature bank portfolio. What are you talking today of what's happening? I mean, Newmark is supposed to be selling it. So the FDIC through Newmark is really marketing this portfolio. We we have the uh, opportunity actually to advise one of the largest uh, private equity firms on that. I can't really disclose too much, but from public, from what was out there in terms of information, it's clear that uh, by the end of the year, there's probably going to be a transaction. It's a super interesting portfolio. If you read, again, what was publicly described, a lot of it is multifamily. Um, and I think it's going to create a trickle-down effect in the market after someone or several groups buy it and sell it down uh, the line to others, to sell the notes down to others. I do think there's a lot of capital for it in general. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how pricing plays out because it's just not clear yet. Now, what's happening with the developmental sites? Because certain builders are going into the ground even without tax abandonment. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Yeah, so so land is interesting. Land has dropped in volume of transactions in general. Values have dropped as well. The land that makes sense or the land that is trading, the opportunity in land is in prime locations. So we've seen several of those going through. We we actually marketing a building or a land a building that could be a development site up on the Upper East Side. Tremendous demand from mostly uh, condo developers. If you have land that has already the entitled 421A, that's doing uh, well. That's mostly in the Gowanus and mostly because of the executive order that the governor gave. We just sold a, a $30 million deal there with an entitlement uh, for 421A. Uh, Sean Kelly did that. And um, and the last thing is, is if you had rezoned opportunities, rezoned locations like in Queens, that's where we've seen more land transactions. But overall, we need more housing in the city and we need more incentives to build rental housing in the city, affordable or not. And and that's where the state comes in and should provide those in the form of a tax abatement. Um, it's gone for a long time now and it's hurting our inventory. We, we only have 11,000 units in the pipeline for 2023, maybe even less. We need about 50,000 units a year in order to catch up with demand. Otherwise, again, the the prices of rents are going to keep increasing. What about this discussion about the revised J-51? Look, anything that can help a landlord recoup money by um, renovating or rehabbing older buildings is a great thing for the city. It aligns the interests of the landlords and the city and really the tenancy that lives in these buildings. So a renewal of, of, of J-51 is critical and, and I think that going back to rent stabilized and AGSTPA, the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act, finding solutions to the vacancy 
that is in that market, because a lot of units are being kept vacant today, and finding the solutions to encourage landlords to put money into these units in lieu of maybe higher rents that will stabilize that market um, is is super important. So the J51 is, is critical, but also finding ways, aligning interests where landlords could put money into deals, into uh, their existing assets, and get higher rents in, in return. So here's the question. Who's buying today? Certain people looking that it's an opportunity. So who are the buyers? If it's multifamily that's free market, it's the whole gamut. It's a very deep bench. You have institutionals, private clients, you have international, you have national. If it's rent stabilized, it's only private. And that is uh, going to be your long-term holders, and they buy for two reasons. One is prices of rent stabilized multi have gone down anywhere at a minimum of 30% in many cases. And the second reason they buy is because they expect the legislation to change at some point because it's not sustainable. Affordable housing, uh, specifically affordable housing, is mission-driven capital, some private capital. Um, so we see that there. Um, but these are the, uh, d- development. It's, it's mostly local developers who understand the market very, very well. What about the office market? The office market is, uh, is challenging. There's no question about it. The fundamentals have dropped since COVID. I mean, we're seeing 50, sometimes say 60% occupancy. What you do see there is, is or the story there is, is mortgage maturities. When you see mortgage maturities, um, you know, and you see owners or, or owner operators make decisions, you've seen very large firms here in the city decide to hand over keys and give up some buildings they don't believe have value anymore because they have a larger vacancy. The flip side of office is that when you do have a Class A office building in a great location, the same sponsor would try to hold on pay down a mortgage, extend a loan because they believe in the asset. One, one of these interesting examples is 245 Park Avenue where Essel Green actually managed to refinance half of the uh, 50% of the building at, at a valuation that's only 10% lower than uh, 2000, 2017 purchase. And it's interesting because you know it just tells you that when you have a quality asset in the office market, it's doing well. When you don't, you don't do as, as great. The other thing that we should uh, pay attention to when it comes to office is, is um, user buyers um, like NYU, Enchante, Hyundai, last year, Google, they're buying their own buildings, which is really interesting. I don't know if, if it's a trend, but it's definitely something that we paid attention to. What, about, re- what about retail? Retail is doing better uh, in specific locations. So it's not better throughout uh, the city. It's mostly in Soho. It's mostly in residential locations. So that's where they're doing, it's it's improving a, a bit, but it, retail has, again, ways to go and, and it's really block by block. Quick last question on yes. the office conversion to residential. What's your thoughts about that? We haven't seen enough of it and we haven't seen enough of it because if you think about what was successful in the past, it was um, it was the, the downtown, the financial district, when they gave, when the city gave Great zoning options and as well four, as 421G. 421G right. Exactly. And, and and that doesn't exist today. So these are the two elements that the city and state have to think about in order to encourage conversions. There, there were about 13,000 units, I think, converted in a span of 10 years in the financial district between 95 to 2005. I think we the city can do well with providing the real incentives that the city needs, the developers and converters need to convert office uh, to residential. There are other clearly elements uh, to it, you know, but uh, but that's that's where we are. So I'd like to thank you for being here. 
providing us with lots of information and look forward to seeing you again on the Stoller Report. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it.